Do people still do this? Loves me. Loves me not. Loves me. Loves me not. Perhaps that light-hearted search for answers to romantic issues continues to be used by some, but I'm sure everyone would acknowledge and realize that that particular custom is not particularly reliable. There's simply no way that one can get an honest reading of love on the basis of the number of petals on a flower. But that's not to say that we are without a way to determine the presence or absence of love. Fortunately, we have been given a foolproof way of identifying true love, and I'm not speaking here just about the type of physical attraction which the world often confuses with love. Our topic for this pre-Valentine's Day is love of the highest order, the kind of love that is truly satisfying and which truly lasts. So, how do we know if our love is the real thing? How do we know if our love is true? Well, I don't think we have to do away with the flower thing altogether. Rather, simply tweak it or adjust it according to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 7. In those verses, the Apostle Paul defines true love by means of 14 petals, we might say, 14 succinct statements. That's not the only place in the Bible where love is defined, of course. The Apostle John, perhaps, is the most succinct of all, who says very directly in his first epistle that God is love. No clearer definition of love can be drawn or portrayed than that which displays the way in which the Lord deals with us. Despite the presence of sin in our lives, that which God finds completely repulsive, he nevertheless made the supreme sacrifice of sending his son in our place to bear our burden and set us free, something which that son of his was very willing to do. Greater love has no man than this, said Jesus, that he lay down his life for his friends. Nothing more is needed to understand true love than to see how the Lord has dealt with us and how he continues to deal with us. But in order to make absolutely clear how true love does, inter, does play out as we interact with one another, Paul here sets forth these 14 statements. And one of the most interesting things that comes out of this text is the fact that as Paul defines love, he speaks more negatively than he does positively. He speaks more about what love is not than about what true love is. As you know, I've been focusing this in this series of addresses on things which God is not and which he does not do, positive negatives. Well, it turns out that love, which is the primary attribute of God, is also defined to a considerable extent by what it is not and what it does not do. In other words, love, true love, is often the opposite of that which instinctively comes to us. But Paul does start out with some of the positives, saying, first of all, love is patient. 
that person's done it again, said something uncruel, or done something unkind. By nature, our flesh wants to get even, but love says no and tries to suppress the desire to retaliate as it recalls the countless ways in which God has been kind and loving to us despite our rebellious nature. Love is kind. That person with whom we interact has just presented us with another opportunity as our paths cross. Will we be cruel, indifferent, or actively kind? True love always sees an opportunity to be kind and jumps at the chance to serve that other individual, even as Christ willingly came to serve us. But now some of the knots, some of the ways in which Paul defines true love by showing us what it really is not, saying, first of all, love is not jealous. True love shuns jealousy, since a person who is jealous really ultimately is concerned only for himself. Love wants the other person to benefit and will be content with whatever it is that brings joy to the other person. Love does not brag. Love is not conceited. Once again, the person who brags and is conceited is ultimately and primarily concerned about himself or herself. The heart of a bragger or arrogant person is too full of oneself to have much room for anybody else. Love does not behave improperly, since improper activity and action will invariably have a negative impact on another individual. True love avoids impropriety, lest the other individual be hurt or offended in some way. Love does not seek the things of itself. The, insistent that th the insistence that things be done my way is about as natural to the human condition as anything could possibly be. But that's not the way of love, which willingly yields to others and rejoices in the successes that another person experiences. Love does not become irritated. The fall into sin really shortened all of our fuses. It doesn't take much to set us off. But true love recognizes that nothing is ever positively accomplished by the flaring up of anger. And love is quick to extinguish that impulse, choosing rather to work with the other person toward a resolution of whatever problem might arise. Love does not keep a record of wrongs. Keeping track of the hurtful things that another person has done to us makes it impossible for a relationship ever to grow and improve. And so true love is eager not only to forgive, but to forget. Love fully forgives as Christ has fully forgiven us. Love does not rejoice in wickedness, but rejoices in the truth. Knowing that the ways of the Lord are the only ways that truly prosper, the loving person is one who seeks and finds pleasure in the truth, for that alone will benefit our neighbor. Flipping back then to the positive, Paul winds up with those wonderfully all-embracing four great all-things statements. Love, he says, bears all things. It keeps beating even when beaten. 
Love believes all things. It puts the best, best construction on a situation, even when something that is said may be difficult to believe. Love hopes all things. It continues to see the sunshine even behind the thickest of clouds. And finally, love endures all things. No matter what might come one's way, love keeps marching and invariably wins the day. True love. It is. It isn't. It is. It isn't. It is patient. It is not jealous. It is kind. It does not keep a record of wrongs. It's everything that Jesus did and everything that Jesus does not do. Listen how neatly it fits if you simply replace the word love with Jesus. Jesus is patient. Jesus is kind. Jesus is not jealous. Jesus does not brag, is not conceited. Jesus does not behave improperly. Jesus does not seek the things of himself. He does not become irritated. Jesus does not keep a record of wrongs. Jesus does not rejoice in wickedness, but rejoices in the truth. Jesus bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things. In him is found all that is necessary. We sing of our Redeemer's love in the form of hymn 363, stanzas 1 through 3. Hymn 363, 1 through 3. <laughs> 